We thank you, Father God, that you are bringing forth the revelation that we have need of. Father, that you are that you are renewing our mind by the word of God. Father, that we have truth. We have truth, Lord God, tonight in the name of Jesus. And it changes us. And it changes our future in Jesus' name. And Lord, we agree with you of who we are in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Are y'all ready? Hallelujah. Well, glory to God, talking about spirit, soul, and body. And I can't even remember we've been going so long, but I think it's number nine. But it might be eight. But anyway, it's close to nine or eight. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Spirit, soul, and body. And uh, y'all uh, just, uh, well, let's turn over to uh, uh, Thessalonians and just read. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise God. Well, hallelujah. My Bible is not cooperating tonight. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse twenty-three. Glory to God. This is our our what was Brother Hagen on? Golden text. Brother Hagen always said, This is our golden text. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, he was good. You know, he's a good man. Uh, Alice and I were talking about him before the service, so that got him on my mind. Amen. <laughs> on my mind. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. And so this is a wonderful scripture that shows us that we are three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. We are a spirit. We live. We have a soul, and we live in a body. And uh, not only that, it's an awesome scripture to release your faith in, that all three parts, all three parts, God wants to preserve all three parts until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't want to just preserve you spiritually. That's done. That's taken care of. Amen. But he wants to. He wants your other two parts, the soul and the spirit, to be preserved. He wants your soul to be healthy. Lisa and I were talking about that before the service. He wants us to have healthy souls. He wants to restore our soul. You can get your soul messed up out here in this world. Get your emotions messed up. Get your mind um, tangled up. You know, everybody. Anybody ever know somebody or that got their mind tangled up? Amen. Well, God can untangle. Your mind in the name of Jesus. He can restore uh, your soul. He can heal your emotions. Amen. And uh, uh, what's the other part? Uh will he can you know he can help you uh, get your will lined up so that you're willing the will of God amen, amen. you're willing to be willing Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so, well, we'll put God up. Hallelujah. God is light and love and life, and there is no darkness in Him, no shadow of turning, no variation. He said, I am, I am, uh, the, I am God, and I don't change. That's what He said in Malachi. I change not. He does not change. We don't, we're never going to change God. We can't change His mind. His mind's made up. And it's made up to good things. Amen. Glory to God. And then we have uh, the born again man. The born again man who is three parts, spirit, soul, and body. And uh, has a, uh, he, he's uh, made in the image of Jesus Christ in the inner man. His soul is becoming renewed and light. There's light in his soul. There's the joy that's in his, in his inner man is getting out in his soul. The peace that's in the inner man getting out in the soul. And the, uh, and then the body is responding to the to the soul and to the spirit and getting healed, getting restored. Amen. Getting health in the name of Jesus in him, in your body. And here's the spirit. So the the here's the born again man, so that you can see him in when we kind of break him down into three parts, so he's a little easier to see. And here's the lost guy. I don't know if that's gonna stick or if that's just propped. Hallelujah. And there's that guy that's lost. Hallelujah. The sinner who does not know God. Hallelujah. Bless God. Uh, dead. Dead. The Bible says dead in his trespasses and sins. He's spiritually dead on the inside. His father is the devil. How, oh, man. Separated from the life of God. Mm. It's a sad situation. Being lost is sad. Hallelujah. Even just looking at this should give you a compassion for the lost. Amen. Because being lost is sad. Being alienated from the promises of God. Hallelujah. Just, you know, without God in this world. Can you imagine being in this world without God? That's a sad situation, isn't it? And then his soul has darkened. He's got, he's got soul problems. He's got mind problems. He's got emotional problems of every kind. 
Uh, uh, he's full of hate, bitterness. Hallelujah. And we'll talk about maybe that some tonight. And his body. His body is subject to everything in this world that comes along. Everything comes down the pike. He's subject to, isn't he? And so, oh, man, we just don't, sometimes we don't appreciate. We don't, we, we got to recognize what we've got, family. Amen. It's, it's awesome. So our spirit man, our spirit man, let's talk about him some tonight and get started. Our spirit is sanctified, been perfected forever, and we are not sinners. You are not a sinner. If you are born again, you are not a sinner. You uh, used to be a sinner, but you're not a sinner anymore. Sometimes people want to say, even born again people so want to say, well, I'm a sinner. And all of us are sinners, but we're not sinners. We are not sinners. We are born again. You can't be both, folks. You can't be sinners and born again at the same time. You're one or the other. And uh, we're, we are, God no longer wants you to be sin conscious. He does not want you to be sin conscious. Um, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are the righteousness of God. And you need to practice saying that. If it, and you know, sometimes when you've been religiously brainwashed instead of biblically taught, it's hard to say at first. Say, I, it's, you know, it's easier when you are not got a renewed mind to say, I'm a sinner, than it is to say, I'm righteous. Amen. Let's all say that together. I'm righteous. I'm, righteous. I'm the righteousness of God. I'm the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Amen. And we have to approach God on that basis. We approach God on the on the basis of we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I want you to come boldly into the throne room of grace. And we don't come in, we don't come in a whooped pup. Or like a dog with the tail between her legs, you know? We don't come in like that. We come in with our head held up high. We come boldly to the throne of grace, grace to obtain help in time of need. Amen. And it's because we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You have to renew your mind to the fact that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You gotta tell yourself, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You've got to tell yourself, God loves me. God loves me. Amen. God loves me. You have to tell yourself. You may have to look in the mirror and tell yourself, see, we we have been taught to be unworthy. We've been brainwashed to be unworthy in our thinking and, and uh, uh, to be worm-like worm in our thinking, but we're not worms, are we? Uh, God cleansed, um, let's see, let me start, I missed a spot. We, we worship Him in spirit. The Bible says they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. That means that we worship God on the basis of who we are in the Spirit. We never come and worship God trying to worship Him on the basis of who we are in the flesh or who we are in the soul. We come to Him. We worship Him in spirit. We come and worship based on who we are in the spirit. You know, we that's what we're focused on. Who I am, who you are in the spirit. When you go to receive healing, focus on who you are in the spirit. It'll make it a lot easier for you to receive healing, a lot easier to understand healing. If you understand, I've already got it. It's already done. I got it when I got redeemed. I got it when I got born again. I'm healed in the name of Jesus. And then you begin to begin to call, you begin to take, let the, the inner man uh, live big and take dominion over the, 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 the flesh and the outer man. And I've been having some practice at this lately. And, and you do that by speaking and saying and commanding your body to line up to the Word of God and commanding your body to respond to the Word of God, commanding your body to respond to the anointing of God, and um, uh, commanding your uh, commanding. Uh, uh, and speaking, and, and uh, Brother uh, Paxton taught us, and I've heard another preacher teach this too, and the Holy Spirit brought it to my remembrance recently. Uh, you, you, as, you spe- as you're believing for healing, and, as you're, and, 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 you're, and, you're, and you've already believed you received it, but you, you're wanting that manifestation to come to the outside, to come to the outer man. Amen? And as you're doing that, as you begin to see results, you keep pressing. You keep, you keep going for it. And, you know, for years we, we would pray once and then we would just sit down and wait. But, I, but, we, but the Holy Spirit just reminded me, you know, keep pressing for, keep pressing for that. Keep speaking. Keep, and keep getting, those, getting that manifestation 
As long as, especially as you're getting results, as you start to get results, don't just go sit down. Press that and press that until you get that in the, uh, see, it's our responsibility to get it to the outer man. Amen. And God puts that healing in the, he, he's put that healing in our spirit. God has cleansed you of every sin, past, present, and future. And then he sealed your spirit. Ephesians says we've been sealed. And uh, we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You're sealed in the name of Jesus. You've been sealed. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That is so powerful to be sealed. That is so powerful. That is so awesome. That is nearly too good to be true news that we are sealed. Hallelujah. We are, we are better off than Adam was because Adam wasn't sealed. Adam wasn't sealed. And the reason Adam wasn't sealed, we talked about that before, is because every man has to make the choice for God. And so, and babies are born alive unto God. I'll talk about this more lately, but they're not later, but they're not born sealed. They're born alive unto God. I used to think that babies were born sinners, that they were born fallen, and with the fallen nature of Adam. But babies are born alive unto God. And we, I can show you scripture. I don't have time to go into that tonight. Everybody's looking at me like, hmm, I didn't know that. But anyway, babies are born alive unto God, but they're not born sealed. And there comes a time they have to make a choice. And when they make that choice and they choose Jesus Christ to be their Lord and their Savior, He seals them. And, and hallelujah, glory to God. And they're His forever. Amen. And so... um. Uh, God has cleansed you of every sin. You've been sanctified. Sanctified means separated, made holy. And you've been sanctified once for all time. One for one, he did it once and it's for all time. We, there's been taught, there's been teaching that, said every, that says every sin not under the blood will cause you to lose your salvation. But I want to tell you something, folks. Every sin is under the blood. Amen. Jesus forgave you past, He forgave you present, and He forgave you future. Amen. All your future sins are already forgiven. And you say, well, I don't know if God can forgive sins in advance. Well, we better hope He can because it's been a long time since Jesus paid that price. We better hope He can do something in advance. Amen. Yeah, He did it in advance. All right. Hebrews 10. Let's turn there. I was just kind of introducing you tonight to where we're going. Hallelujah. So then go to Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, let's see, verse 11. Let's look at some of this stuff in the Word of God. Once and for all, every priest standeth daily, every priest, and this is talking about the Old Testament priests, every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. You know, they covered their sins the priest offered the sacrifice. It covered their sins, but it did not take it away. In verse 12, But this man, talking about Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, say forever, forever. sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting until his enemies be made his footstools, for, footstool, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. You have been perfected. Forever, forever, forever perfected. Glory to God. Oh, I'm telling you, is that not good news? By one offering, He hath perfected us. He has sanctified us. He has set us apart forever. He doesn't need to do it twice. He did it right the first time. Now, uh, sin is... Uh, so therefore, sin cannot penetrate and get into your spirit. Once you are born again, you are sealed. Now, if you mess up, you miss the mark. And if you look up sin in the, in the Strong's Concordance, one of the definitions is missing the mark. So it's not just the, it's not just the big, oh, you know, adultery and, oh, you know, the big sins, stealing and lying and the big sins, but it's missing the mark. We can miss the mark and, 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 and it's sin. He, he that knoweth to do right and doeth it not to him, it is sin. So there's those sin, but those sins, those missing the marks, and big or little, whatever it is, do not penetrate our spirit. Our spirit has been sealed and they do not penetrate. Hallelujah. Turn over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Sin, I want to show you tonight how sin is of the flesh. Sin is of the flesh. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16. 
6, 16. 1 Corinthians 6, 16. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body, for two saith he shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your, temple, your, that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So he tells us to, for that we are to glorify God, we're to flee fornication, we're to flee sin. But that's the sin of fornication is we are sinning against our body. It's in the flesh. Sin is in the flesh. Sin is in the body. And... Um, uh, and it's not in our spirit. It's not in our spirit. It does not touch our spirit. So therefore, uh, we can let's look at uh, Hebrews twelve twenty three, and we'll find some therefores. Hebrews chapter twelve verse twenty three. Hallelujah. Sin cannot penetrate and get into your spirit. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the Judge of all, and to the spirits. Of just men made perfect. Look at that. Spirits of just men made perfect. Your spirit is just. It's been made perfect. Amen. And to Jesus. Let's see. No, that was all I wanted to read there. So when we sin, that we have our spirits are just. They've been made perfect. When we sin, when we miss the mark, we do not lose our right standing with God. You do not lose your right standing with God. You've heard people say, are you in right standing with God? I guarantee you, if you're born again, you are in right standing with God. You cannot, uh, there is no man, First John says, if we say we don't sin, we lie. If we say, you know, we don't, we don't miss the mark, I just never miss the mark. No, you miss the mark. In fact, we habitually sin. We found that out a couple of weeks ago. We actually, all of us, habitually sin. Amplified says, talks about, well, he that doesn't habitually sin. But it can't be talking about that because we all habitually, we habitually fail to walk in love. We do. There's lots of things that we habitually do. I know if you live at home, if you live, and you, you, maybe the only way you could habit, not habitually fail to walk in love is if you lived on a mountain by yourself and there's nobody else around you. But if you got a husband and you got a wife and you got any kids in the house, I guarantee you, you habitually fail to walk in love. And anybody that says they don't, they're just not telling the truth. Amen. But we're all, now we're pressing towards the mark and we're all, uh, we're all pressing to, to, to choose right every time, to do right every time. Hallelujah. But we miss the mark, don't we? And uh, sometimes, sometimes it's more intentional than others. Sometimes we just, we can ignorantly miss the mark. Amen? Uh, so anyway, um, but we've been perfected. Boy, it's hot in here. <laughs> Glory to God. Let's, can we have a little more air in this place? Um, the, our spirit has been perfected. Now we may have, there's another teaching and something that's been taught is, uh, you know, uh, the, the Pentecostals, they will say, well, you know, you fall from grace if you sin. You, boy, you, you're, you need to get saved again. But the Baptists, they're just as wrong. They say it this way. They say, you don't, if you sin, you don't lose your relationship, but you lose your fellowship with God. But I want to tell you something. If you're born again and you miss the mark, you not only don't lose your relationship, you don't lose your fellowship with Him either. Because He's not looking at our flesh. He's looking at our spirit. And if He was looking for a man or a woman to fellowship with Him that was perfect, He wouldn't have anybody to fellowship with Him. And, but because we are perfect, but we're only perfect in our spirit. Our, our soul is in process of being saved, being renewed, mind being renewed, and our body is in process. We're gonna, our body's going to be saved when we get those... Uh, Glorified bodies. Amen. But our spirit is already perfected. That's the part God's dealing with. You do not lose your fellowship when you, uh, when you uh, uh, miss the mark. And so when we miss the mark, the, the tendency is to live according to that old flesh guy 
and to back off from God when we know we haven't done right. And you know, the devil, um, he, I've noticed he'll take advantage of you. You could pray three hours. The devil will tell you that wasn't long enough. You hadn't been praying long enough, and, and you missed the mark today. And trying to get you to back away from God. But I want to tell you something. God is pleased with you. Yes. He is pleased with us. Yes. Yes. Amen. We are, we, he is pleased with us. And um, a lot of the things that we think and know about prayer are simply religion. I know, and you know, through the years, I've have had them put on me, and I've tried to put them on other people. But I've gotten my mind renewed. Hallelujah. And you know, uh, you know, one of the religious things that was like, well, we have to pray an hour a day. Well, now that was religious. We don't have to pray an hour a day to be in right standing with God. And you know, a lot of things that we're not even calling prayer are really prayer. Yeah. Meditation is prayer. Uh, you know, and so many times, uh, I know I heard a man say it this way, and I, I, I felt this way so many times. I'd be having a good time with the Lord. I'd be studying the Word, and I mean I'd be enjoying it. I'd be getting fed, and you know, I'd be just fellowshipping with the Lord over the Word, just enjoying it, and then feel like, but you ought to go pray, 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 you ought to go pray. You're not really, you really need to go pray. And you know, that's not God. That's not God. When we're in the Word, fellowshipping with the Lord, that is prayer. Prayer is not just telling God your problems. In fact, that's not prayer at all. That's why he told us, he, God knoweth what you have need of before you ask. Well, that tells us he don't need for us to spell it out what our problem is. He knows the problem. And so much of the time we spend our time in prayer saying, well, now, God, you know what she said to me, and she said this, and, 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 I, and this was really hateful of her, and he knows the whole of that. And that's not even prayer. That's just... That's just griping that's it that's just griping because he knows what she said and he knows and you know how you know he knows we don't have to tell him that's not prayer and prayer is not just prayer is not just making requests either prayer is not just making requests but prayer is fellowship with our heavenly father which will include prayer requests which will include intersection intercession will include supplication it will include all of those things, but it also includes meditation. And so you can, you can. I know I spend a lot of time with, with the Lord. And like when I heard one man say, somebody came to him during that time when it was there. When a it, Larry Lee started that, could you not tarry one hour? And you have to pray an hour every morning and everything. He said a man came to him and said, "Well, how many hours a day do you pray?" And and he asked this minister that, and uh, it really helped. This helped me so much because, and he said, "You know, when we start asking people how many hours a day do you pray, well, we're just trying to compare ourselves with each other." And he said, "Well, you know," he, he said he thought about it in a minute, and the Holy Spirit, you know, quickened him. And he said, "Well, you know, you know," he said, "How many how many hours did you spend with the Lord yesterday? Meaning, how many hours did you pray?" And he said, "Well, you know, I spent all day with the Lord yesterday." I want to tell you something. You've got God on the inside of you, and if you acknowledged Him today, and if you talked with Him. And I'm not saying that there are times that we need to take time to speak things out into the spirit realm, to listen to the Holy Ghost and say things out. There's things that need to be spoken over our lives and over our children, and there's things that need to be spoken. But, but I tell you what, you can spend all day with the Lord every day because He lives right there on the inside of you. Amen? Hallelujah. And that's how, that's how Paul could say pray without ceasing. And because there's no other way to pray without ceasing except to be constantly in communion with the Holy Ghost on the inside of you and constantly offering up. And, you know, being spontaneous in prayer as you're driving down the road and, you know, just letting the Holy Ghost point out things to you that need to be spoken over, that need to be said. Hallelujah. Things that need to be... And, and you know, it don't take hours to get it said sometimes. Sometimes you can say it in one sentence and bless God it's said. Amen. And so um, uh, 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 we, don't, we don't lose our right standing with God. And God's not displeased with us. And God's not, well, you didn't pray enough today. I, I spent years feeling like I didn't measure up. 
And I literally went through years where if I didn't pray an hour of that day, I didn't feel safe. It's like if I didn't get my hour in, I thought, you know, I was open game for the devil because I didn't pray but 40 minutes that day. Or maybe, you know, and you have days where you don't get to pray at all. And you know, if you got four, if you got four little kids at home, and I didn't have four little kids, but a woman that has four little kids at home, she can't go in her room and pray two hours that day and let those kids dismantle the house and kill each other. And that wouldn't be godly even, would it? Well, I'm praying. I got to pray. Well, you're going to have to learn to pray by fellowshipping with the Lord while you're watching them out in the yard. And I believe in saying, go out in the yard, go play. And, you know, and you kind of got you sitting on the porch with one eye on them, and you're praying, you're seeking God. And you have to learn to do those kind of things. And men have to learn to do what they have to do in order to get their praying done and to do what they have to do spiritually. I mean, in the natural too. And that doesn't mean we don't have seasons of prayer. Hallelujah, I don't know why I'm on prayer tonight. We don't mean we don't have seasons of prayer. and We don't have times we ought to set sometimes where we're going to just spend some time in prayer. Hallelujah. We ought to be involved in corporate prayer. There's things that will never get done outside of corporate prayer. There are things in your life you can't get done by yourself. I'm quickened about that, Lisa, for what we were talking about. There are things that will never get done by yourself. There's things that we have to have the body for. Amen. And, and so we have to have those times. Amen. So uh, you don't lose your relationship when you sin, and you do not lose your fellowship with your Father God. Amen. Now also another ta- thing that's been taught is that, um, uh, well, how that, that you, when, well, I already talked about this some, but I want to take it another step, that when you sin, you lose your salvation. You've got to come down, you've got to get saved all over again. But listen, when you are taught that and when, you are constant, when you're in that mode, you do not ever develop spiritually. You don't mature. You don't grow. While my word, in, even though you're not, even though really you're born again the whole time, but the soul man, the soul man, he, he's kind of always starting over. It's like he's got, you know, he takes three steps forward, stumbles and falls, goes, has to go back to square one. He takes four steps forward this next time, stumbles and falls, has to go back to square one. Start over. In his, even though it's not true, in his mind it's true to him that he's just now getting saved again. He's starting over. He's a baby Christian, and so he's a perpetual. We got churches full of people been saved 40 and 50 years that are still just baby Christians. Never develop spiritually. We're to be developed. We're to develop and grow. And you should be making progress. And you should be more mature today than you were a month ago. And a bunch more mature than you were a year ago. And you should have learned some things and gleaned some things. And you know, bless God, we try to learn by the Word, but some things you've probably learned the last year by experience too. I learned some things sometimes. Well, I ain't going to do that again. You know? I learned, uh, I got the, over my tooth thing. Y'all, some of you know the tooth thing I've been going through. Uh, one thing I learned is I was not releasing my faith for my teeth. And boy, I am on 1 Thessalonians 5.23, and I'm saying you are preserving my whole body, including my teeth. I'm keeping all the rest of them in the name of Jesus. Because I tell you now, I, I finally, I had that tooth pulled. I told my family if I could have bought drugs on the street Thursday night, I would have, if I'd have known where that drug dealer was that Pastor's always talking about, that he don't know where he's at, I would have, like, I was like, if I'd have known where he was at, I'd have bought some from him. No, not really. I told my dentist that, and he said, Why didn't you call me? You don't have to do that. And it's like, Well, <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> I got the victory, though. I got the victory. I got on top of it. Hallelujah. But, you know, uh, I, you, can make, you can let things slide in there. You didn't mean to. My kids are thinking, this is hilarious. We can see her down on the strip. I don't know where they sell drugs. Probably over there by that black orchid place or something. I don't know what that, that place is. That looks spooky, though, to me. <laughs> Have y'all seen that place? So you can drive around downtown Tuscaloosa and you see some places that look kind of spooky. Amen. I'm like, oh, I wouldn't want to be down here at night. 
Anyway, I don't know what it is. So forgive me, that may be a Holy Ghost sanctified, you know. It sure don't look it though, does it? It's not? I don't know. I didn't go there, I just drove by there, folks. Hallelujah. Uh, somebody said, uh, I heard that. Uh, hallelujah. No, I, I tuck it in pretty early. <laughs> Stay out of the, I try to stay out of trouble. But anyway, we can let some things get past us in our faith. But bless God, we ought to learn something. And I learned some things. Amen. Learned some things about getting healing to manifest. Hallelujah. Because I had, you know, bottom line is, you know, you can, go, you can go with the doctor, you can get the drugs. But bottom line is, and you can put off using your faith. And that's what I did is like, give me these drugs. And I put, and, but bottom line is, it came to the point where I got to use my faith and get this. And I, had to, I finally just had to say, I got to use my faith. I got to get this with my faith. And you know what I did? I got in there and I got it with my faith. Hallelujah. And, you know, sometimes we can take a drug and, 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 uh, and, and I'm not talking about, I'm talking about legal drugs now, you know, prescription drugs. We can take a drug and we can put off getting it with our faith. But at some point, you just got to get in there and say, bless God, you are my healer and I am having this. And you start pressing in for that manifestation and you get that thing. Amen. Romans chapter uh, 4, verse 6. Hallelujah. Well, so we're growing. And we're not staying babies. Hallelujah. And you know, family, uh, when, when this is something Pastor and I have learned, and I'll just say it for anybody here that may not have heard us say it, is if anything we've ever, if there's anything we've done right in our lives, it's we pick ourselves up, brush ourselves off, and keep on going. And so many Christians have a setback, have a disappointment, have a, a faith blowout. You know, we've had some faith blowouts. We've had some disappointments. We've had some things crash before that we thought we were believing God even. And But we just pick ourselves up, brush ourselves off, and start over. I mean, we've, we've uh, you know... Uh, We've had to learn not to let the devil stop us, not to let the devil condemn us. You know, we've had, uh, we've had arguments and not been proud of it. You know, and we just have to pick ourselves up, brush ourselves off, repent, ask God to forgive us, tell the devil to leave us alone, there's no condemnation, and we go on and we go on with our life. And that's how people grow, and that's how you're, you're going to have things that don't work exactly like you thought. Because we are still, we don't always have all the information that we need. And you know, we're in charge of whether we get healed. God's not in charge of whether we get healed. We're in charge of whether we prosper. God's not in charge. He's already paid the whole price, done everything. He's already done it all. And it's now it's up to us. And sometimes we're missing information, you know, that we need to know. And so that's one thing to pray is, Lord, Father, we ask you to perfect that which is lacking in our faith. If there be anything missing. And, you know, I found through the years that God sent ministers and he sent people by. Our tapes have come to me. And I went, oh, that was the thing I was missing. That was what I was missing where my faith was concerned. And there will always be those things that we are learning to walk by faith. And we will have, we have to keep going. I heard Andrew Womack, I think it was one of the broadcasts this week, he said... He talked about jerking a man out of a wheelchair and the man falling on his face. And, uh, he, and, and the whole crowd groaned and moaned. And, and you know, and, and he said he had to bodily just kind of pick him back up in that wheelchair and get him in that wheelchair. And he said, you know, that tried to stop me from ever ministering to people and getting people healed. But see, he had already seen somebody raised from the dead. And he, but he had a he had a blowout. He didn't have all the information he needed, and it took him a while to figure out what he did wrong and how come he wasn't able to get that man his manifestation. But you know the important thing is that he kept on going, and he gets hundreds and thousands of people healed now. His own son got raised from the dead not too long ago. Been dead five hours. Had had a had already had the tag on his toe. And he got, and he got, he, he was already black and had the tag on his toe when they, and when they called Andrew and he got him raised from the dead. 
And so the important thing is don't stop. If you have a, if something, if something don't, didn't go like, and, and you know, I'm saying this tonight because uh, some of you need to get over any disappointment that you've had, any faith wrecks you've had. You know, like Pastor said one time, a long time ago, he said, if you stuck out the arm of faith and brought back a stub, <laughs> well, you know, you don't ever stick out the arm of faith and bring back a stub, but you can stick out what you think is the arm of faith and you and bring back a stub because you didn't really know what faith was. You didn't have all the parts. Amen. But we're growing. We're maturing. Amen. Hallelujah. So the point is to grow. Romans 4, are y'all there? Verse 6, it says, um, Even as David also uh, describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. Now David was an Old Testament man, and so he wasn't, he saw, he had a vision of this. He had a, he caught a glimpse. He got a revelation that this was coming. He was not a man that, that it, it, he was an Old Testament man, but he got a revelation of this. Blessed is the of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. You are so blessed because God is not imputing sin to you. God is not keeping a tab. A, you know, we've been thought that God was up in heaven keeping a, a tab of all your sins. I've heard people say that, you know, you're going to see a big movie of all that God's going to show you a big movie of everything you said and everything you messed up and every time you did wrong. And, 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 and boy, I tell you, that'd make you not want to go to heaven, wouldn't it? Hallelujah. We'll just skip that, won't we? But anyway, that I've heard that said that, you know, there's going to be this big movie and then God's going to judge you. But I want to tell you something. I've got good news for you tonight. He is not imputing sin to you, and he is not ever going to judge the righteous. He's not going to judge you. You've already, you already, he judged Jesus in place of you. Jesus bore the judgment. He judged Jesus. Praise God. Amen. And you know, the sinner's going to judgment, but you're not going to go to judgment. Hallelujah. Now, you know, the question comes up when you talk about things like this. Won't people just go out and sin if you tell them they're righteous? If you tell them they can't lose their salvation? If you tell them God's not holding their sin against them? Won't people just go out and sin? Turn to Romans. Uh, we're in Romans uh, 4. Go to Romans 6. And look in verse 1. Won't people just go out and sin if you tell them this? Um, I don't believe they will. I believe that, well, the Bible says in one place that the, the strength of sin is the law. And I believe when you put people under the law and you put people under condemnation, that that's what causes people to go sin. And I believe in churches, the more they preach the law, the more the people are sinning in private. I really believe that. I truly believe that. And I have seen proof of it in, in past years that the more you preach the law the more you preach condemnation there's more secret sins in those churches and they can put their dress on to their ankles and they can do anything like that they want to but that don't mean that does not mean and you know we lived in Seminole and the Mennonites were in Seminole and there was different there was five different Mennonite churches in Seminole and they all believed different things and some of them, but they put their people under the law especially they put the women under the law but they put all the people but they put the women under the law and they had to have those dresses and I mean it's like you can't just wear a long dress it has to be long and has to be one of spe they have a special pattern just for just for Mennonite ladies and they have a special kind of fabric I don't know cannot explain it to you but it is it is little floral and they have to they have uh, they wear a knee hose right here and a sandals and they have a little doily thing on their head and they have their hair put up and they and you know it's like this is supposed to make them holy and then they preach the law to them and I'm telling you they are it is it is sin city 
It is sin city among that group. I mean, it, and the men are running around on their wives, and the women are, like Michael said, they got their bun up, and they got their doily on, and they got their, their holy dress on, but they're a blowing down the road smoking that cigarette, driving that Suburban, you know. It's like something, you know, and we're not condemning smokers here or anything, but, you know, there's something wrong about this. If you think the doily does it, or if you think the certain kind of dress does it, you know, and uh, so, and I think you know, when we one of our shocks was when we came to Alabama, we saw Mennonites. It's like, man, they're everywhere, cause we, <laughs> cause we thought we only had them in Seminole, cause we had a large colony of Mennonites, and that's what they are. They, you know, it's a colony, and uh, and they were. Uh, and we had our school, our Christian school. We had a bunch of Mennonites in our Christian school. Hallelujah. They, and they got money. I'll tell you one thing they don't believe in is poverty. They, Daddy has a big roll of bills in his pocket. And they own land and they built nice houses that in Seminole now. When they first came, they were very persecuted. But anyway, off that subject. But So the strength of sin is the law. So I don't believe people sin when you tell them you're righteous. I think when you tell people how unworthy they are and how that you know that people have a what's the use attitude. But let's read in what Paul said about Romans chapter 6 verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? See, if we tell people they're dead to sin. See, you're dead to sin. That man is, that spirit man is dead to sin. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized unto his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection." Knowing this, that our old man, our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. This body of sin, this body of sin, this body of sin has been destroyed. Hallelujah. This man, you can't get your old man back. Have you ever heard anybody say, well, that was just the old man? You know, if they said a bad word, they said, oh, that was the old man. No, you can't get him back. That was your flesh it, that said that bad word. It was, you know, hallelujah, reacting to your emotions from your soul. But anyway, uh, this man has, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's crucified that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. When you tell people you don't have to sin, you're not a sinner, the body of sin has been destroyed, then people don't want to sin when they know they don't have to, when they know they're righteous. Hallelujah. For he that is dead is freed from sin. This, you're dead. This guy's dead, so you're freed from sin. Now if we, this is verse 8, Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died into sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Reckon yourselves to be dead to sin. Reckon yourselves, say, I'm dead to sin. You know, when you're dead to sin, you're also dead to, the, the, to, to uh, sickness. Because it's just, it, they're kinfolks. They're partners, sin and sickness. So I'm dead to sin, I'm dead to sickness, hallelujah, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. This man, he, you are alive unto God, you are dead unto sin, and you are alive unto God. Whoo, hallelujah, that is so good. Uh, where am I? Mm -hmm -hmm. Where? Verse 12. Verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, talking about your body here, let not sin reign in your mortal body, hallelujah, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof, neither yield ye your members as instruments of who have you yielded the first time. You just yielded. And so quit yielding to sin. 
uh, but yield yourselves unto God. The best way to quit sinning is start yielding to God. Quit thinking about sin. Quit thinking about being sin conscious, you know, and start yielding to God. Start getting bigger in God. Start growing in God. Start yielding to God and you'll quit. Sin will just fall off. As those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness into God. You know, that happened to us. We got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Me and Pastor Bo was addicted to days of our lives when we got baptized in the Holy Ghost. He was a farmer. We're saved now. But, you know, we weren't taught anything. Nothing. Except that we were saved. And we, we weren't taught these things. We weren't taught, you know, every week what we heard was the same sermon. John three sixteen, Confess and be saved. And so we didn't know how to do anything. So he was a farmer. He'd come home for lunch. And um, he'd come home real dirty, you know, have red Texas dirt all over him. And i make him go in the backyard, take off all his clothes. Wouldn't let him come in my house with his clothes on. And he would strip off, huh? Not all of them, but all, his, all the muddy parts. And uh, <laughs> all the outer clothes. <laughs> and so he'd come in. I'd have lunch ready. You know, farmers, I cooked the big meal at lunch. And we, he would eat lunch. And at 1230, we'd watch Days of Our Lives. Uh, you know, mm. and he liked it as good as I do did, and don't let him tell you any different. And it was passed down from the generations too. You know why I started watching Days of Our Lives because of his mother when we got married, because that's what she watched. And uh, hallelujah. And uh, <laughs> but anyway, we got when we got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Well, God didn't have to tell us Days of Our Lives was wrong. He never said a word about Days of Our Lives. And you know what he what happened? We just started getting so excited about God and we started yielding ourselves to God and talking about God all the time and talking about the Word and talking about what tape we'd listened to that day and saying, let's, let's go over and pray with so-and-so tonight. And we just got so excited that it just fell off. God never said, give up days of our lives. This is sin. He never said it. He never said it. He never even convicted us. He never even convicted us. He just, he, it's just that yielding yourself to God. And it just fell off. Didn't even, forgot to watch it, didn't want to, no desire to, just forgot about it. And also, we watched Dallas on Friday night, and that fell off too. That was bad, that Dallas show. That was horrible. That was just, ugh, and stupid too. I flipped through the net the other day and saw Jr. on there, and I thought, this is the stupidest thing I have ever seen. I can't believe I even would lower myself to watch it, you know? Hallelujah. But, well, boy. Well, there's not much going on in Seagraves on Friday night. <clears throat> anyway. <clears throat> Neither yield ye your members, verse 13, as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then shall we sin, because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Now, even though you're born again, and you are technically, you are dead to sin, if you're always yielding to sin, of course, you wouldn't look like this if you were. You'd be born again. Your, your spirit would look like this, but your body would look like this. But if you're always yielding to sin, and you're always yielding, then you get, you're, you're a slave to it. You're going to be a slave to it. Don't yield to the devil. Don't let him make you his slave. And you know what? Not just in sin. Don't let him make you his slave where sickness is concerned. I tell him that sometimes. Devil, I'm not your punching bag. I'm not your punching bag. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. My body belongs to God. I have... Uh, um, offered my body to God. That's what you have to do. Romans 12 says, offer your body to God, a living sacrifice. I have offered my body to God and I am not your punching bag. This body does not belong to you. You're trespassing. I'm a covenant woman. So quit letting Him make you His slave. 
with sickness and disease and sin. Amen. Hallelujah. One more scripture and then we'll go. 2 Corinthians, because I just wanted to show you this. I want to show you the ministry of righteousness. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but when I saw this, I just thought this was one of the most awesome things God had ever shown me. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. <clears throat> who, hath all, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament. Family, we are New Testament people. Able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. But if the ministry, and I want you to read this, and, and when it says ministration, I want you to see it as ministry. But if the ministry of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. What that says is that Moses, when he went and got those Ten Commandments, there was a glory to him. Even though they were the law, there was a glory to him, so much so that it caused his face to shine. Verse 8, How shall not the ministry of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministry of righteousness exceed in glory. Is that awesome? That is awesome. Because, you know, most, most churches in America today are, are, are functioning under the ministry of condemnation. They're functioning under the ministry of the law. They're preaching Old Testament law instead of... And, 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 uh, <coughs> and it says there's a glory to that. And you know what that means? They get some results. They get some... You can get some results. You can, you can whip some people into heaven, you know? Uh, and a lot of the old timers, uh, I know that there was, who was the one that said, it is a fearsome thing to fall into the hands of a, uh, of a uh, angry God. That was a ministry of condemnation. And that sermon is like exalted, like, it is like historical. But that is a ministry of condemnation. And God said there's a little glory to that, but how much more? How much more, how much more glory? to the ministry of righteousness. Hallelujah. You have a ministry of righteousness. We are in the New Testament and we have a ministry of righteousness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's stand up together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.